Cheers. Welcome to the Water Cooler. This week's show, we're going to teach you how to attract, engage, and convert seller leads by building a high-quality seller lead magnet. And here's the most important part. This is a repeatable process that everyone watching, every agent, every team can actually replicate in their market. If you're struggling to generate seller leads, this show is going to be for you because we're going to walk through everything, how to come up with the idea how to actually build a landing page that converts. We'll talk through how to take a piece of content, turn it into a Facebook ad, an email, a post, an Instagram story, an Instagram post, and of course, using like something like an on-site announcement. Many of you are not even using this, it's a great feature. And lastly, we're gonna talk about the importance of the little details like headlines and copy and images. And we're gonna talk about how to distribute this content to actually get the maximum results to help you attract the most amount of seller leads possible for your business. The Water Cooler is a show about marketing, sales, and technology. Each episode, we focus on bringing advice that works. My name is Jimmy Mack, and I'm joined by my co-founder, my friend, best-selling author of The Conversion Code, Chris Smith. Chris, welcome to the call, buddy. So basically the question is, why does everybody go after buyers when everybody wants listings? Yeah. What, you know, and it's, just, it's a very, very fair question. The reality is simple, it's easier. So if you're mm -hmm. fishing and you wanna catch a buyer lead from the ocean of humans, you would put a house on the hook. Mm -hmm. So there's no, that's so clear, Jimmy, right? That yeah. There's no thoughtfulness required, like, a listing alert, a listing, an open house, a price reduction, mm -hmm. a coming soon. It is so clear to people how to get a buyer. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a different question, Jimmy, and I want you to put yourself into the audience's shoes. Sure. What do you put on the hook to catch a seller? Well, the first thing you, you, you have to point out is that there isn't a universal answer to that question because every seller, in my opinion, is at a different stage in the process and has a different, a different um, maybe objection or problem that they're trying to solve. Now, mm -hmm. realistically, mm -hmm. in the real world, Chris, you can use listings to attract sellers too. Like that's, 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 that's but, can. but, 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 but I think that that's, that's sort of cutting ourselves short from actually being creative. So mm -hmm. for me, what do you use to actually attract sellers? Like, mm -hmm. I think you use content that actually answers questions they have in their mind or problems that they have. Mm -hmm. And of course you can use a question that is the fundamental question most sellers have, which is how much is my home worth? Is it worth more than I bought it? If I sell it, will I make a profit? If I sell it, will I miss out on potential, you know, future gains if I hold on to the profit? Like you can get yeah, into so that here's, side. So here's it. here's the reason it's so hard. Agents want to pretend that a CMA mm -hmm. is the equivalent of a listing, and it's not. And it's not. And so that's why you don't see a lot of seller marketing because how many times do you want to run an ad or send an email that says, what's your home worth? Mm -hmm. What's your home worth? What's your home worth? With a listing, it's different because every time the listing, different price, different location, different amenities. So you could remix the listing over and over. Sure. Here's the way you get a seller. You can't trick people into listing with you. Mm. I, I yep. mean, I just fundamentally think it's easier to kind of trick a buyer into going to see a home with you than yeah. it is to trick an owner into inviting you them into your home. There's right? definitely a, a, a change in the power dynamic, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I've heard this story so many times, Chris, where I think when a agent sits down a listing appointment, they, the, the consumer will say to them, the, the homeowner will say, well, you know, we're interviewing other agents. Do you think that conversation happens in a buyer consultation? as frequently as it happens with like- No, the lesson? only thing that they do on that side of it is they might say they have an agent when you talk to them the first time. Sure. But it's funny because we're working on our new book mm -hmm. and uh, th there's actually, this is kind of a sneak peek at one of the tips. So th if you change your words, you can change your world. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's in the new book is instead of saying, are you working with an agent? Like that's mm -hmm. so common to ask. Mm -hmm. Instead say, who is your realtor? Mm -hmm. And if you think about the difference in that question, when, when you tell them to name them, uh, well, I kind of know this one, per right? Versus do you have an agent? Yeah, we've got an agent. <laughs> so that, yeah. th those are kind of the little nuggets in the new book, kind of a sneak peek, but everybody could use that one right away. When someone walks into your open house, mm -hmm. Don't say, do you already have an agent you're working with? Say, who is your realtor? Yeah. And a lot of times they'll say, eh, I don't really have one. Versus if you say, uh, do you have an agent? Yeah, we, we know a couple, right? Mm -hmm. So just changing that dynamic. But 
Long story short, Jimmy, the way that you earn a listing is through expertise, mm -hmm. stats, stories, reviews, content, data, CMAs. There, there's a lot of it. And, and it takes time, mm -hmm. right? Like when people mail postcards, they're trying to get listings. There ain't a person in the world that's mailed a bunch of postcards and got a bunch of listings that got them on the first time they mailed it. Mm -hmm. So it's like consistent quality expertise with stats and stories and five-star reviews that you already did it great. Oh yeah. And you got to do that every month. Yeah. So I can see why it's daunting when, when people see how we make the sausage today, a lot of them are going to want to run and hide. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody likes hot dogs. You don't want to go to the factory. We're going to show you the factory. Mm -hmm. We're going to let you see a sweat. We're going to show you that there literally are no corners that you can cut to attract sellers and get listings. Yeah. And the alternative is, the alternative is, for most people watching right now, is this mm -hmm. industry standard, which is two things, primarily, mm -hmm. which is, yes, you have your sphere of influence and, and you can generate referrals, which is sort of a feast or famine business. Yep. But what I find the vast majority of agents who do not have listings do, they go back to the old tire technique of calling FISBOs and expireds. Mm -hmm. That's primarily what they do to generate new listings. And and I can't think, Chris, listen, I, look, people have built, it is, this isn't a question whether or not you can grow your business calling expires and FISBOs. Mm -hmm. This is a question do you want to hate your life? Because mm -hmm. I don't do not. I could not imagine being in real estate and having to wake up every single day and go to battle with my customers just to get them to spend more than sixty seconds on the phone with me. Well, so, Jimmy, let me let me give you a quick insight into what we're going to teach. A hundred percent of the seller content that we create every month is impactful for a Fisbo and an mm -hmm. expire too. So yeah. I, I think what you're saying is you don't want to actually knock on the door and have the guy pull the shotgun out. And you don't want to have to cold call people that hate realtors because they just failed because they just actually didn't get their home sold by one. I understand that that's not an exciting life for you. Mm -hmm. But if you take the content and the strategy we're about to go through, mm -hmm. it will impact an expired. Yeah. It will impact a FISBO. Do you honestly think FISBOs aren't on Facebook and Instagram? Do you honestly think the lady that's home expired doesn't log on to Facebook every day? So you can still get your stuff in front of them yeah. and you could do it with class. You could do it with your head held high. But I'll be honest, if I was knocking on doors, and I was mailing stuff to expireds, I'd be doing the same thing I learned today. Sure. I'd just be printing it out and taking it with me. So what you're saying is that the medium, meaning whether you're calling expireds, calling FISBOs, is not nearly as important as the message, which is what are you actually leading with? And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Yeah, let me give you a quick tip on door knocking. This is just a quick story <laughs> and then let's get into the funnel. So sure. I, was, I was out like, you know, washing my car or something on a Saturday and this guy comes up to me and he said, hey, did you hear about the kidnapping? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And he said, there was a kidnapping about two miles from here. And they, they took one, they took a kid. You got mm -hmm. kids? Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, I got kids. He goes, well, here's the article from the paper. And he showed me the cutout from the Orlando Sentinel about the kids getting kidnapped. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, man. Thanks for letting me know. He's like, yeah. And guess what I sell? I sell security systems, bitch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Jimmy? So that sort That's of- news jacking right there. <laughs> exactly. But do you know how much more effective that was to get me to stop and hear him out and consider yeah. his offer compared to, are you interested in an alarm system? Yeah. So that would be my example of like, if I personally quit what I'm doing right now and had to go door knock, especially in Florida. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I'm be sweating my ass off, Jimmy, real quick. If I had to do that, I would still want to do that with my head held high. That's my yeah, point. Yeah, my question to that guy would be, were you the guy who kidnapped the kid? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a good strategy. <laughs> That's All right, so let's get into it, because I think right now everyone's wondering, because we talked about the complexity of this, but as you said, we're going to show people the process in which we follow. And as I led the show off, Chris, I talked about how this is actually a repeatable model. This is not a sort of a random sequence of events. We actually follow this exact same model every single time. So it starts with... Uh, the where every marketing campaign should start with, which is a brainstorm. Yeah, well, we we created a huge graphic of the whole process. If John can pull that up, like yeah. th th this is the global view mm -hmm. of everything we're going to teach yeah. in the next forty-seven minutes. So this is a hundred percent of what we'll cover, but it actually is a very logical step-by-step -step process. And you're absolutely right. Step one is the origination of the idea. So mm -hmm. let's zoom into that, Jimmy. Mike built a beautiful uh, presentation here. Walk us through the idea phase, because this really is step one 
what are you going to create? Yeah, sure. So I, I think, and I'll have you speak about the 75-25 rule, but just at a high mm -hmm. level, what we're trying to do during the idea phase is we're trying to basically collect all of the data and insight from all the key sources to help inform our decision-making process. So we're gonna be looking at services like BuzzSumo, Chris, which is mm -hmm. a great resource to identify the top articles by share and activity. We're gonna Google Trends to identify what's actually trending right now. We're going to we're going to absolutely look at and this is a quick pro tip, blogs that we follow outside of our industry. You know, there's so many times Chris in which we're coming up with an idea that we actually adapt something totally unrelated to real estate for real estate. We do it all the time. So we don't yep. get we don't get in the caught in this position where we're just sort of like regurgitating the same old real estate, you know, centric content. Um, but fundamentally, you know, we basically in addition to using things like analytics, we are, we are we have a set of resources that are are sort of the treasure trove that we pull from to be able just to list these ideas out. During this phase is it's worth pointing out, Chris, during this phase, we're not actually vetting the ideas. We're just dumping them into the discussion pool so we can actually talk yep. about them later on. I think people are too easy to like, oh, that's a bad idea. Forget about it. Like you mm -hmm. might come back and use it a little bit later. Yep. Yeah. We have a Slack channel. This is the way we manage it and people mm -hmm. can use different chat tools, but we use Slack. Yep. We have a channel called Brain Trust. 29 days out of the month, people are adding ideas. Now, here's the real pro tip. If you work for me and we choose your idea, we give you a gift card. Mm -hmm. Like we don't just ask our employees to submit ideas. Yeah. If they submit an idea that we choose, we circle back and say, hey, Logan, we really appreciated your idea. We yeah. ended up using it. Here's a gift card to thank you for contributing. So yeah, we're looking at Google Analytics. Now, here's a great pro tip. If you go to BuzzSumo and you put in a domain name, this is one people don't know, Jimmy. So mm -hmm. if I go to BuzzSumo and I put in Zillow.com slash blog, it will show me not just the most popular pages on Zillow, it'll show me their most social shared blog articles, right? Mm -hmm. And so by putting that domain in, and you could put New York Times slash real estate, you could yep. put Trulia, you know what I mean? So BuzzSumo is great because it shows you what got the most traction that you didn't create. Yeah. And then for YouTube and for Google, what we're doing is we're saying, sort our stuff by the best ever. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you why we do that. One is there's ideas you've already done that will work again and you just have to tweak them. Yep. So, so as an example, we ran a buyer campaign that we got inspired by the New York Times. See what $1 million buys you right now, okay? Mm -hmm. And we saw that the New York Times had done that, the Wall Street Journal had done that, Zillow had done that. So we said, okay, that's a winning idea. And we did it for our clients and it blew up. It got tons of traffic, tons of leads, everything you'd want from a campaign. Mm -hmm. Well, when we saw how well it did, we said, you know what? What if we can let that inspire the next idea? So we, we came up with another idea that was see the difference between a 600, 800 and $1 million listing, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, if you look at the past, you can predict the future. Yeah. Another example, we did an article called seven Facebook ads worth copying, okay? People loved it. So then we said, okay, why don't we just do one about emails worth copying? Why don't we do one about Instagram accounts mm -hmm. worth copying? Why mm -hmm. don't we do one about blog posts worth copying? So the, your old ideas can become new again with a little bit of a twist. The other thing there though, Jimmy, is see how it says evergreen versus real time? Yeah. When, when we are having ideas submitted, we always wanna think like, can we use this now or can we use this forever, okay? So as an example, we just put out a Father's Day article a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. we, we cannot use that forever. Yeah. Next week, we're putting out an article about July 4th. We cannot use that forever, but the reality is that when something is that timely and relevant, it does better. Yeah. So you definitely wanna make sure that as you're adding ideas, you have a good balance of brain, uh, evergreen plus real time. You can kind of combine them. We have an article we're going to show today, 19 ways to improve your home's value this summer. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a hybrid. 
it's yeah. an evergreen article because the tips kind of stand the test of time. Yep. But we added kind of the seasonality to the end of it so that it would feel more relevant right now. Now, the last thing I want to talk about in the idea phase, Jimmy, mm -hmm. is the 75-25 rule. And what that means is that as much as we want to lean on data and insights and analytics and Basumo, and like we have a tool called Curator Brain, no one else has access to it. We can look at all the top performing ads and emails of every curator client anytime we want. So yes, we have data. We're not guessing. We're using data-driven decisions, which is what most people wish they were doing. But we don't do that with everything we create. Once a month, think of 100% of a month, 25% mm -hmm. is one week. 25% of the campaigns we run have no theory behind them. It is literally us saying, we're really smart. And so we're going to create the next idea. Mm -hmm. Like if we only use ideas that have worked in the past, like how do you think those ideas got proven to work? Yeah. At some point, somebody tried something they had never done. So our mix is usually three out of four or four out of five are, are sort of pre-proven. But one out of four or five, we are using our gut. And that's fine. That's where all the best ideas came from at one point. Yeah. So you don't want to go too, you know, like in, in uh, sports right now, Jimmy, analytics, right? Mm -hmm. you got analytics and you got manalytics, right? Like analytics is the data. Manalytics is like you just look at the dude and he looks big and tough. I like big, tough dudes on my football team, right? So you can analyze his 40 or you can watch him play. Yeah. And I think the, the gut that we use is kind of like manalytics, you know, womanalytics, if you will. Sure. The analytics is all these data sources we go to. But don't stop being creative. Like, don't stop guessing what might work because when you crack that code, even if once every two or three months your gut worked, yeah. well, now that becomes something that you can use over and over. You know what that makes me think of, Chris? It makes me think of the difference between a professional marketer and an amateur marketer. Mm -hmm. An amateur marketer, you know, is trying to find that secret sauce, works every single time, and they mm -hmm. try to sort of follow the blueprint without any sort of deviation whatsoever. And what professional marketers know is that you can only operate in the world of sort of a high degree of confidence, but you also have to be prepared and willing to sort of try things that flop. Because if you don't do that, you're never going to hit that sort of home run or that grand slam that that's possible if you actually are willing to put, put yourself out there. But there's yeah. one thing you said there that actually made me think, um, and I think most people who are watching right now probably make this mistake because we live in a world where everything has to be new and different all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is the concept of doubling down, Chris. Mm -hmm. You just said at the beginning that you know, we look in the past because the past predicts the future. How many of you watching right now feel like you have campaigns that you have run in the past, past marketing campaigns? It could be mailers, it could be Facebook ads, it could be content you've created or events that worked really well for your business, but you haven't done it again. And I think the vast majority of people can, can think instantly of something they did in the past that they haven't repeated because they kind of got caught up in these ideas. How so, about the water cooler, Jimmy, right? We did it for four years. Mm -hmm. We got bored. We yeah. took a break. We brought it back. Like it, it was a, it, we didn't have a better idea mm -hmm. for a podcast. You have to get good at being bored. I always say, don't trip over nickels to pick up pennies. Yeah. You know, and that's what people do. They always want to know what, what the next big thing. Well, the next big thing is already here, right? Like per Samsung, the, the best ideas are already out there. Sure. Cool, man. So ne step two, we've got the ideas. Yep. And then what we do is we take all of those ideas and we go into a big, long meeting, Jimmy. Let's zoom in on that. So, and you want to take, you want to take the lead here on this, on phase two? Well, I, just in terms of the meeting, I think mm -hmm. the one thing I'll say, I think what we ha what we do a really good job at a curator that we've learned doing this for a long time is that we involve people who have different backgrounds and experiences and different perspectives so when we go into a meeting it's just not just the two of us a designer we got jess we got me we got you we got obviously everyone else's input um i think it's important though when we talk about this meeting and this is the this is the part that i really want you to focus on chris and that is the order because obviously we get all these ideas but how do we actually get from the ideas to actually mm -hmm. choosing the topics like what is, is that just like a, yeah. a voting process like hey we got three votes for this idea like this one's going to be vetted is there is there something else that goes into that 
It's a little bit of that, right? It's yeah, sort of, you know, so, so picture we're giving everybody input all month. Sure. And then we have a three hour meeting. Yeah. Where we have a smaller group of people, mm -hmm. me, you, Mike, and Jess. And we are choosing from all of those ideas. Plus, of course, bringing our own. Sure. What you're getting at, though, is there's a cadence, right? If you plan in advance, and you look at the next month, you would never plan buyer, 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 buyer. Yeah. And then if you look at the month before, and let's say that the last campaign in June was for your past clients. Mm -hmm. Well, then maybe the first campaign in July shouldn't be. Do you really want to email your past clients two weeks in a row? Yeah. So it, it's not just about the ideas and taking the best four. It's about taking the right four. Mm -hmm. And for us, that's a combination of seller, yeah. past client, and buyer. Yeah. Now, you have to remember, Jimmy, what we said earlier. Everybody's really good at fishing with their listings. So what we found is that you almost want to overcompensate for seller and past client. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, as you know, out of the course of a month, three out of the four campaigns might be seller and past client first. Sure. And then like one of them might be to attract buyers. That's really one of the big differences between Curator and all the other companies out there that help agents. We are sort of 75, 80% seller and client focused. The other companies are like you said, about 95% buyer focused. Mm -hmm. But the concept is simple. If you do one really good buyer campaign a month, plus you promote your listings when they come on the market and change stages, you're going to have more buyer leads than you know what to do with. So we are a little heavier on the seller and past sure. client side, but we also try to think about the cadence. Like sometimes what we'll do is like, we'll do something in week three that has mass appeal to homeowners. Yeah. And then in week four, we might do like only an email to the people that read week three. Yeah. So yeah. part of it is like having the two weeks work together. Sure. Part of it is making sure that it's not just past client, past client, past client, past client, buyer, 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 buyer. It's, a, it's kind of about the spacing and the sequencing of the campaign. Yeah, and I think when you start to plan, and this is just the reality, Chris, when you start to plan a month in advance, mm -hmm. you're, ab you're able to take great ideas and, and, and punt on them for a few months. You know, yeah. our, our, our cutting room floor for our ideas is better than most people's entire marketing campaign. The yeah. things that we don't do is better than most people's marketing campaigns because we are willing to say, you know what, based on the cadence and the flow and the sequencing of this, this idea is a great idea. It's an evergreen idea. It's going to work, but it's not going to fit into this month. So we've got to yeah. we've got to we've got to punt on this thing for a little while, well, and that happens like during the process. My, I have a trash keep and donate strategy with my children. Yeah. Right, like uh, about once a month, we go to their room and I make them look at every item. And they get to tell me, do you want to keep it? Do you want to throw it away? Or do you want to donate it? Mm -hmm. And I think if you think about our marketing plans that way, yeah, there's things we keep, which means we do them that month. There's things we trash, which means we never do them. But then there's things we donate to the next month. Yeah. Right? So we have the equivalent of a rollover doc yeah. or an overflow doc. So, And you're absolutely right, Jimmy. Our scraps are better than most people's main course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's just because we were in the thick of it, planning this stuff in advance. And again, I don't think people realize, Chris, when you're spending so many hours a month putting this together, the impact it has on probably the most difficult thing people struggle with right now, which is consistency. Yep. If you look yeah, and at- and here's the thing, at the mm -hmm. end of this three hour meeting specifically, yeah. we've got the ideas, mm -hmm. we go into the meeting. There, there's one goal at the end of this meeting, to know what the next month's angles are. Yeah. Okay. Now that doesn't mean we have like the title for sure. That doesn't mean the article's ready. We haven't done the graphics. Like there's a lot more to do, mm -hmm. but at the, at the end of the brainstorm, the success would be defined by knowing what you're doing, which week the next month. Mm -hmm. So you're showing here, uh, it's, it's a little fuzzy from where I'm standing, but you've got, four weeks in a row in June. Yep. So th that would have been created and signed off on on around May 15th. 
Yeah. So, so about two weeks before the actual launch of the campaigns or the first campaign for the first month, we're mm -hmm. already signed off on the actual. Well, idea. let me tell you why we give ourselves that two weeks, because in theory, you could just do the last day of the month. Sure. But the reason we give ourselves those two weeks, Jimmy, is part of what comes out of those ideas we choose is now somebody's got to go write them. Yeah. Somebody's got to go do the design mm -hmm. for the graphics for them. So it would be a little bit naive to come up with your ideas in week four and then have to do one the next week because you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic that if you want to write a great article or a great page or a great email, you ain't just going to be able to pop that off the next day. Yeah. So by the middle of the month, we know what we're doing next month. Yeah. And then we assign that to the writers or the designers. And then now they've got a deadline of the week it's due, the yeah. week before it's due. I'm curious to get feedback from our live audience right now. How many of you know exactly what you're going to be marketing week by week in the month of July? And be honest, just post in the chat right now. Do you know yeah. exactly what you're going to be posting in the month of July? Yeah, I'd love John to even create a poll. I don't, I don't know if he can do that in real we, time. We have the ability but to create like, polls, guys. Is your July marketing calendar done? Yes yeah. or no? Like yeah. I, I would be fascinating to collect that data and it would it would either be 100% no or people would lie. Yeah. <laughs> so we got the ideas, Chris. We came that we did the brainstorm. We have all these ideas. We mm -hmm. vetted the ideas. Now we're actually, you know, compiling the actual uh, calendar. We're yep. thinking about things like the sequence. We're thinking about things like the frequency. We're thinking mm -hmm. about things like which piece of content may take the longest for us to complete. So we might put that towards the end of the month. Now we've actually got the, the ideas pretty much locked in. Again, we haven't defined all of the specifics yet. That's going to come next, but we have the ideas pretty much locked in. Now mm -hmm. we're going to meet moving into sort of the plan creation phase this yep. is sort of where we you know we actually put our hard hats on and do the work so i yep. want you to set the stage for us in terms of the order in which we go and some of the obviously specifics around the process of actually creating content now that you've got the plan yeah so the first thing we do is we want the the actual content so the the actual article or mm -hmm. page we want to start by making sure that the big piece of content is done yep and the visuals for that are done okay meaning there's a graphic for the page or post yeah and there's words for the page or post it, it is incredibly naive and misguided to think that you can develop the tweet or the instagram visual if you don't have the actual piece of content tuned in why not well here's what happens jimmy if i write the tweet before I vet the article, mm -hmm. inevitably I'm gonna wanna rewrite the tweet when I'm done vetting the article. So you've gotta make sure, we call it case, create, yeah. advertise, social, email, right? So the ads and the social and the email, they can only happen once the creation is done. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we pour our heart and soul into the primary piece of content. And by doing that, the microcopy and the visuals are almost self-explanatory. Mm -hmm. Not completely, but if we don't have the content done and we start writing Facebook profile or LinkedIn posts for it, when we, when we do make the changes to the main piece of content, that's going to have a ripple effect. We're going to have to go change all the microcopy. Yeah. So like, Pull, pull up a page for me, Jimmy. Pull up our seller uh, slash sellers. And I'll kind of walk people through what I mean by this. So this is a landing page slash uh, lead capture seller page that we just built and we just deployed for clients a couple weeks ago. And so if you start to scroll, Jimmy, you know, you've obviously got a headline. You've got these kind of step one, step two, step three graphics you're going to see a lot of copy. I want you to explain to the audience why there's so much copy mm -hmm. in, in a second. But if you kind of zoom in on the quotes, right, and you kind of zoom in on the headlines, the things that you would call out, like what, what does that say, Jimmy? Read that quote to me really quick. We, People are so gonna this, love this is a quote from, from Zillow. We encourage buyers, sellers, and homeowners to supplement Zillow's information by doing another doing more research and getting a comprehensive uh, comparative market analysis CMA from a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. So Zillow is basically saying supplement estimates with a CMA. Yeah, go to the next widget that has a quote from Zillow. 
There's, it's, it looks just like that last one. It's got the different visual element yeah. there. There you yeah. go. What's that one say? It's a mouthful, Chris. We use proprietary automated valuation models that apply advanced algorithms to analyze our data to identify relationships within a specific geographic area. Oh my God. Between the home-related data and actual sales prices. I mean, you huh? sound like a bot. <laughs> that is like a human bot. So for those of you that think AI and machine learning are the next big thing, reread that sentence a couple times, right? Mm -hmm. but, but here's the concept, Jimmy. If we are literally building a page and we're choosing the things that should be highlighted on the page, can you imagine that that might show up in the ad? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that that might show up in the email? Can you imagine that we might have just taken the quote word for word and turned it into an Instagram post? You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So by really obsessing about what's called the pillar, the hub, yeah. the spokes become a lot easier to develop. Now, I know a lot of people, Jimmy, scroll back to the very top of this page because I want to show a couple best practices here. Sure. Well, let me just speak about the yep. copy for a minute, for one sure. moment before you get into that because you asked the question, why do we write so much copy? Because most yep. people look at this, Chris, and say, oh, well, I just have this already. I already, I already sure. got this. Why do I need this? Mm -hmm. uh, the way that we like to think about it is that there there is a brick wall between you and that lead giving you their information. And the copy you write is sort of the ladder that's going to get them over that wall. They have objections in their mind. They don't want to give you their information. They don't want to fill out a form. So the more compelling your copy is that helps explain what happens when I give you my information. Why should I give you my information? What are you going to do with my information? How is it going to add value to me? How is it going to help me solve my problems? And then what should I do next? If you're answering those questions with your landing page via your copy, your images, your quotes, you are going to build a ladder over that wall that's going to increase the likelihood of someone actually converting into a lead. More importantly, it's someone who is a high intent, and I know you got some data on this, Chris, a high intent lead. So. Yes, you need to have a simple form, which Chris will talk about best practices here in a second, but yep. these, the copy below helps mm -hmm. you build that bridge for customers that otherwise is absent in most landing pages. Yeah, so here, here's some interesting stats. So the average sales page that gets opted in through has 2,000 words. Mm -hmm. Okay, so go look at your sales pages. And what happens, Jimmy, is if you are trying to get someone to register for something that either requires a lot of info mm -hmm. or is kind of a big commitment. Yeah. You've got to build your case. You're right. Mm -hmm. You've got to knock that brick wall down. Every agent in the industry mm -hmm. can go sign up for a little widget that says, put your address in and we'll guess your value. But Jimmy, isn't that exactly what agents fight against? That yeah. if, a, if a robot guesses the value, it's wrong. You need me. Yeah. So this is a page that's going to get less leads Mm -hmm. that are ready to hire you. This is a page that's gonna get less leads, but it's gonna get almost 100% response rate when a lead comes in. Mm -hmm. Now, go to the bottom object, Jimmy. I'll show a couple cool tricks here. So the other thing we're doing, and this was the template when we did this for the clients, we actually, for a lot of them, put their picture right there. Yeah. This is a person. There is a human involved. The human is going to create this for you. So what happens is when you set that expectation, they're not going to give you this like, hey, I thought this was going to be a Zestimate and I wasn't going to have to talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. Like if you've ever done the, the old home value way yeah, and you've gotten people to say, oh, I thought I was just going to get a report. Yeah. This is the kind of copy and visual that eliminates that. Now, here's what's interesting, Jimmy. In this exact example, the person has scrolled to the bottom of the landing page. Sure. But what we actually wanted them to do was fill out the thing at the top. Mm -hmm. So show them a little bit of our magic. Watch what happens when Jimmy clicks the button at the bottom. It just goes right back to the form. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what Jimmy calls bookending. So in a perfect world, they would get here and fill it out. Some people will scroll and have to read, and then they'll scroll back to fill it out. Some people will go all the way to the bottom and then you just want to hyper scroll them right back up. That's what yeah. that trick is. That's called hyper scrolling. What do you call that, Jimmy? Web hooks or something? I don't know. Yeah, it, you're just anchor. It's not even important. You're just yeah, driving them important. to the, you're driving <laughs> them to the top of the page, which is exactly. I like hyper scrolling. We'll go with that one. Well, it looks like a button that's going to open something new. Yeah, you're but keeping no them in the reason. same place. Exactly. Yeah. It just you're scrolls keep... them back up. Now, here's the other cool thing, Jimmy. Start to put in 
our address. Put in the Boston office address, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. And what you guys are seeing there is it's already filling in the address, and Jimmy hasn't even typed more than a couple characters. That's called Google Type Ahead. That computer is in Boston. And so just by him starting to put in an address, mm -hmm. it's already narrowing it down. Like you can click now, right, Jimmy? And it'll fill the rest. Mm -hmm. So that's called Google Type Ahead. Google provides that through their map tool. Now hit next. Here's the beauty of what we just did. We have now secured what's called a partial lead, okay? Even though the, the consumer on this next step can still quit, mm -hmm. we at least know the address they put in on step one. Yeah. If you're in real estate and you have an address of someone that saw an ad that said, would you like to get an accurate re report about what your home could sell for? Even if they bounce on step two and they don't complete it, we consider that still a hand raiser, knock on their door, mail them something, print a CMA and go to their house. You know, th those are all effective tactics, even if you only have an address. But here's the point. Because of the copy and because of what we established on that first page, mm -hmm. way more people are going to fill out step two, yeah. which is your more traditional name, phone number, email, submit. Now, Jimmy. This is one of my favorite tricks in marketing. Fill out that form as if you're completing it. And, and then I just, want, yep. Well, just one thing as you're about to set that up. Sure. Uh, in, in Robert Cialdini's book, Influence, he talks about the idea, Chris, of mm -hmm. people's desire to complete something they start. So what you're doing here when you have a two-step registration process is you're exposing a simple thing for people who can just enter an address. doesn't require a lot of effort, but they start the process. So if you yep. have a long form, you've got to break it up into two steps. It's going to dramatically increase the likelihood of that lead actually converting and giving you all their information. Yes, Jimmy, real quick though. Annette, we need to make sure we put this into our marketing. 94% of people do not have a July marketing plan. Wow. 94% do not know what they're doing next month. And it reminds me of our buddy, Phil Jones, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. The worst time to think about what to say is while you're saying it. Yeah, it's so rushed. It, it's really tricky. And I understand it's hard to get ahead. I get it. That's why we're popular. Like we're not saying every agent can do everything we're teaching today. But let me be really clear. If you have a team, these are the kinds of things you should be doing. By the way, Jimmy, how many of our clients say, I have an in-house marketer? Mm. Well, I want you guys to think that have an in-house marketer if they're doing what we just showed. Are they putting that much thoughtfulness into it? Are they looking at that many sources? Because I'll take our marketer over almost any in-house marketer all day long. Yeah. They don't have the ideas. Plus, the agent's going to tell them what to do. That, hey, go that, do this. Go do that. And they don't yeah, even tell them the right stuff. That was going to be my defense of the in-house marketers was going to be like they're at the whim of the real estate agent's ideas in the moment. So they're mm -hmm. they're never able to get ahead and plan because there's a listing to promote. There's a there's a fire to put out. There's a campaign to – like they're just sort of always reacting to what's happening. What happens is, Chris, you said at the beginning of the show, like 75% of our ideas are evergreen. So you mm -hmm. never have the chance to build meaningful campaigns that can actually stand the test of time when yep. you're constantly just running around. All right. So we get the yep. form filled out. Step one, yep. step two. What happens yep. next? So now this is one of the biggest opportunities in marketing that people miss. So hit submit. This is called the confirmation message, mm -hmm. okay? So what happens is when a form is submitted, there's usually kind of the concept of, hey, thank you for filling out the form. Yeah. And then you can set the expectation. You can say, we'll begin preparing your report. Keep an eye on your inbox. You'll be getting it within 24 hours. See what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people, Jimmy, they have FOMO. That like, if I don't provide this report right away, they're gonna be mad at me. No, 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 what, what did we say on the other page, Jimmy? This is handcrafted, yeah. this ain't instant, this is accurate, this takes time. So you're just kind of number one, reinforcing that you should keep an eye on your inbox because we're putting it together. And then you can also kind of set the expectation as to when it would arrive. But see that big fat button there, Jimmy? Mm -hmm. What does that say? I can't read it. It says read reviews. Ooh read reviews. So what we're doing is 
you can actually get the person that already submitted the form sure to go do another thing as long as it's relevant so mm -hmm. in this case you wanted a cma from a human that was accurate yeah it probably would also make sense that you would want to know that the human providing it had five star reviews see what i'm saying yeah. so we're coupling this this is called a confirmation page a thank you page and it's a big opportunity now there's one other thing that just happened that no one got to see mm -hmm. which is the auto responder that goes out by email and this is another huge opportunity right so we set the tone that we're going to provide your home's value mm -hmm. and that it's going to be accurate and that we're going to prepare it for you right so when that gets submitted there's an email and the subject line says your home's value but the message doesn't have a cma that would defeat the purpose of uh, why would you instantly send the cma that defeats the purpose of this campaign but what the message does is it gets the lead to give you an additional piece of information about their home so that your CMA can be better. Yeah, and we call so that we, enrichment. Yeah, you're enriching the lead with more data. And the way that we approach that is, hey, we're, we're preparing your report. While we do, I just had a quick question. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate the condition of the property? Mm -hmm. right because clearly the condition of a property impacts the value and so now you've got the lead yep you're going to build the report but you've also got a reply to the automation that says my home's a nine out of ten and conversations create customers mm -hmm. and that reply is basically no offense that's the beginning of the end for them because yep. once they reply we're good we're gonna do a deal with them. Now we have a relationship started. So there's so many little best practices that go into these campaigns that I think a lot of people just forget to think about. Yeah, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna ask you a question specifically about that autoresponder. And I definitely want you to talk about the giveaway because we have something really special that we're doing for this month for all of our fans of the water cooler. But one thing I want everyone to think about when we go back to the confirmation page, the way to think about the confirmation page and the way to sort of value it is 100% of your highest value leads are going to see this page. Mm -hmm. What are you gonna do about it? And Chris, what percentage of customers or leads open up that first email? Like a lot a lot like like it's your best email open rate ever 70 percent, 80 percent. like you know yeah, it's like, it's, and, and you know a mistake i see sometimes we are out of touch with with regular marketers jimmy because we like you said it's the curse of knowledge like we just intuitively get all this stuff but do you know how many people's autoresponder says thank you for your inquiry someone will be in touch with you shortly yeah it's the same mistake they make on the confirmation page they make it with the email autoresponder yeah so jimmy let's do the contest and then we're going to go into the micro copy the graphics and the distribution of the plan but we have a ridiculous contest that we're doing this summer that we want you guys all to enter to win and what we're giving away, Jimmy, is a lot better than a book. So we are giving away a MacBook Air mm -hmm. or an iPhone 10 or a Galaxy S10. Jimmy, we are giving away a $1,000 plus piece of hardware. Mm -hmm. And the way that you can enter to win is go to curator.com slash audio. Now, when you get there, you're going to see a really cool tool that we're using called Gleam. And what it does is you can register with your name and email to enter. And then on the next step, there's different things you can do to help us spread the word. And as you complete each item, you actually get another entry in the wait, contest. Wait a, wait a second. I'm looking at the... Um... <laughs> is it a follow Chris on Insta? Where's the Jimmy Mackin follow? There's nothing on this. It's follow Chris on Twitter. It's follow Chris on Insta. I like it. I love This is what happens. <laughs> Did you guys run out of boxes? The There's no more option. Oh, when you skip the prep meetings, this is exactly what happens, right? I get to skew it in my favor. <laughs> you might want to unplug and plug that thing in front of you back in to just see if it's still working because that counter... Mine's down here. Mine's below me. There's so many numbers on it. We can't even show it. But... This oh. is a tool called Gleam, and it's yeah. actually a really cool tool. Annette found it. She suggested it. Great suggestion by her. 
But if you run a contest, a lot of times people enter their email to enter a contest yeah. or they like a post. Well, what this allows you to do is people can create multiple entries mm -hmm. all for the same contest. So if they follow me, if they do a tweet, if they subscribe on Spotify, yeah. subscribe on iTunes, it gives them additional chances to win. And what we're really doing, Jimmy, is listen, we love the water cooler live. We love doing this show, the audience engagement, the interaction. I, I will never stop doing the show live. Yeah. I really don't think we ever should. But the reality is that thousands and thousands of people yeah. listen to it afterwards. They don't listen to it live. And in the summer, you guys are probably driving around going to the beach, working out, hanging at the pool. And it's incredibly hard to watch a show while you do that. So I personally, Jimmy, every Thursday when I wake up and I'm getting ready in the morning, I go to iTunes yeah. and I listen to the show to see how we did. I personally don't watch the replay. Sure. If I'm not on, I watch live because I love watching live, like I said. But if, if I am hosting the show or I just listen the next day. So we're really looking for audio subscribers, curator.com slash audio, go there and enter to win. And on July 17th, it's kind of some other breaking news here, Jimmy. The contest is going to end on July 17th when I interview Tom Ferry. Tom Ferry is coming on the water cooler in July. And at the end of the episode with Tom, we're giving away the prize. Now, here's what's cool. You guys get to choose the one you win. So let's say you've got a MacBook and you've got an iPhone and you've been wanting to try Samsung, but you didn't want to spend a thousand bucks. Now you can try a Samsung. Let's say you've got a Samsung S10 already, but you got a PC and you've been wanting to try a MacBook. So whoever wins this contest gets to choose which of those three they get. I'm pumped for it. It's really going to be a fun thing. It's a it's about a 30-day contest. We'll be announcing the winner July 17th at the end of the Tom Ferry episode. We very much appreciate you guys following us on the audio. I, I, most of my podcasts, Chris, it's funny you say that, even though we put on a live broadcast, it's got video. Like 95% of the podcasts I listen to, it's audio only. Yeah, even with YouTube, like I, I paid for, I don't know what they call it, YouTube, YouTube Pro, YouTube Red. And I don't have YouTube TV. I got PlayStation TV. But for YouTube, they have a feature where you can lock your screen and still hear the video. Yeah. But you have to pay for that. So even when I watched it before, I was still listening just yeah. with my phone locked. Anyway, curator.com slash audio. We know you guys try to tune in live every week but we also know that you can't. So make sure you're connected on the spokes. Very cool. All right, so now we've got the idea. We did the brain trust. We did the refinement. We actually have the plan. Now the we built the con The page is done. We built the content. Now we get, we'll go into the what we refer to as sort of the microcopy in the graphics. So walk yeah. me through the sort of next step. Yeah, the next step is the graphics that we're going to use mm -hmm. to promote this on social. So you'll notice that the next step uh, I think if you just hit forward, that's going to actually go into, uh, you may have passed yeah, it. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, this go is my back first time using there. Prezi in about six it's okay. years. okay. I was telling Jimmy before the show, we're bringing Prezi back. <laughs> like, we thought this was a cool show to do it. And I, Jimmy, did we drop the link to this Prezi in the live chat? If not, we will. We'll yeah, share. we should have net if we haven't. Like, people can follow along. I mean, it's a beautiful thing that Mike built. There's no reason to hide it. But what you're seeing now, Jimmy, is... Before we do the copy mm -hmm. for the for social media, which is basically the last step, before we do that, we have to do the visuals. Yeah. Because the graphics and the copy are like peanut butter and jelly. It, you don't want to write the copy if you don't know what the graphic says. Yeah. Because you don't want to just say what the graphic says and repeat it in the copy. A lot of people will read the graphic first and then they will read the copy. So you want those to be yin and yang. You want the copy and the graphic and the copy in that to work together. So in this example, you know, 19 home projects that increase your value this summer. Now, we also create multiple versions of the graphics. Mm -hmm. So you can see there's one at the top with the paint strip, 
one that's a little bit more icony one that's got the house like the old house and the new house and then you've got the see the one with like the sangria fruit yeah. jimmy yeah so so that is us basically saying you know what everybody has a little bit of a different brand and a little bit of a different style and a little bit of a different taste and so instead of coming up with one graphic we we try to create several and then we kind of let the client or the marketers choose the one that's the best in line with their brand. Yeah. So like for Father's Day, one of our clients, Kevin Owens, he chose the one that had like a hipster with his jacket open showing a bunch of ties he was selling. Yeah. But Kevin has kind of a young, modern, fun, hip brand. There's a lot of clients that would never want that graphic with their brand. Their, their, their brand is more luxury yeah. or professional, right? So that's all we're trying to do here with the graphics is we're just showing people whether you want to be modern and sophisticated, whether you want to be fun and hip, whether you want to be elegant, like you can turn any piece of content into several graphics. And what we're doing here, Jimmy, is it's an Instagram story size. Mm -hmm. It's a Twitter size. It's a blog post size. It's a Facebook ad size and it's an Instagram post size. So once you've got the main graphic and by main graphic, that's the one for the Facebook ad that's gonna get the biggest budget and drive the most views. Once you've got, call it the rectangle, all you're doing is making a square and making a skyscraper to have those for the other places you're gonna promote them. Two, two quick follow-up questions. The first thing is, should if you, because you mentioned posting on Insta, on Twitter, on Facebook, of course, through email on your, on your actual website as well, uh, should that image be the same across all those channels? Or should I pick and choose from, if I'm creating some variations with my branding, is there an advantage or disadvantages to having sort of consistency across all platforms? Or should you break it down based on the different platforms you're basically posting? Yeah, you, you, there's times, like if you look at that one in the middle, Jimmy, with the paint. Yep. So that is a grid of paint choices. Mm -hmm. And so for this, uh, for the campaign that we're running right now, we didn't choose that paint grid for the Facebook ad, okay? But we did use it for the Facebook profile and we did use it for the Instagram post. So there's times where the, the call it the, the visual that you would put in an ad, it's not the same visual you would put in a post to your friends. And that's gonna be based off of whether we're trying to get the click or the comment. Exactly. If our goal is traffic and page views and leads, yeah. we're going to put something that basically conveys what it's about with a link. But as you know, Jimmy, through the Facebook profile, especially, mm -hmm. we, we very rarely even put a link because yeah. we know that the reach of a profile, you get more reach with yeah. no link. Yeah. Now on an ad, we're going to pay. So it doesn't matter if there's a link because by paying, we're going to supersede the algorithm. Yeah. So that paint strip as simple as it is i think we asked a question like if you had to paint your kitchen tonight what color would you choose mm -hmm. and i mean there's people getting 50 to 100 comments in the first 10 minutes yeah yeah well it's 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 pretty remarkable when you think about this the the level of detail that goes into something like associating an image with the actual purpose of the campaign but guys we this is not a watered down class the goal was to give you guys an inside look in terms of the way we think about it here's my second follow-up question to that chris mm -hmm. uh, i'm an agent who's watching right now i love the ideas i'm following along i get it you make sense market mm -hmm. your business attract people to your business convert them into a lead and then distribute this content across all my channels when it gets to this part of the process i find that most people struggle they have no design background. They have no skills as it relates to basically, you know, uh, representing or beautifully representing their brand. If you were to ask them which of these images best represents your brand, it's hard for them to make that decision because mm -hmm. they haven't thought that deeply about it. What is their options for those people? By the who way, by the way, not to mention when we give these graphics, or yeah. these graphics to our team, they actually change the colors to match the client's brand. Yeah. And they add the logo. So there's, there is a little bit more work even after this mm -hmm. to make it on brand. If you suck at design, go to Shutterstock, go to Canva, go to Unsplash. Like 
just grab a graphic that you like, but this is a tricky part. Realtors aren't designers. They're not copywriters. They're not Facebook experts. That's why we exist, Jimmy. And by the way, before we go through the micro copy to wrap it up, if you're watching this right now and saying, holy crap, I would rather you guys do this for me every single week. Like, I don't wanna develop the plan. I don't wanna write the graphics. I don't wanna create the page and I don't wanna publish the post. That is literally what we sell. And tomorrow we're doing a live demo of what it means to be a curator client. You guys can go right now to curator.com slash demo. I think we have a slide for that. But curator.com slash demo, tomorrow, Sarah, who hosts the Agent Insights Water Cooler, she is going to walk you through how you can literally outsource everything we're going through today to Curator. Like, Jimmy, let me, let me have you show one thing really quickly. Because I, I showed that seller page and I think it's very overwhelming for people. Show, show what it means if you're a Curator client to have to publish that page? What do they have to do? Yeah, sure. So all they have to do, because we're loading the exact version of the uh, plan, the template that we created for you into your website, and you're gonna, it's going to be available to you in your actual like content library. So you're literally just clicking one button here, Chris, in this mm -hmm. case is the home value, and yep. it's going to create the page for you. And now, again, if you want to edit it or you want to change it, by all means, but we've already done 99% of the work. So yeah, that you, one you click. Literally, well, one more click is published, right, at yeah. the top there. So in two clicks, you've got it. And we load the email for you. We send you all the micro copy. Like, th this is what it means to work with us, is that all of this gets done for you every week and every month. So you can focus on people. We'll handle the pixels. You can focus on people we'll pick up the new passwords, right? Like most realtors don't like logging into all this stuff all the time. So anyway, curator.com slash demo, you can register right now and learn more about just hiring us to do this. But the last step, Jimmy, which is a critical step, and we do have to go through it rapid fire. I got a five minute hard stop. Google Docs, okay? Do you have the actual Google Doc that we, that we use? Do you have that handy? Yep. So the last step you guys is saying, okay, I've got my graphics and I've got my content. Now I want to put it on all the social networks and email it the right way. So Jimmy, zoom in a little there. I don't think anyone's going to be able to read it unless you zoom way in. But if you look at the top, we're saying, okay, now that the campaign's done, who's it focused on? Well, this one was focused on Magic Million. That's the top of the funnel plus past clients. What is the goal? The goal is to get seller lead to request a CMA. And then see where it says on-site announcement? Mm -hmm. That's actually a really smart tactic, which takes your new thing and it shows it to every visitor on your website. Jimmy, show that really quickly on a curator site. This is called an announcement. There's other terms for it, a pop-up. Uh, there's one called hello bar. But if you look at what we're doing, if we're gonna put all this time and energy into publishing a new piece of content, see it right at the top for Judy. So the announcement is basically saying, if you've got visitors on your site, you can bring awareness to all of your new content right at the top of every page of your site. So that's Judy's latest announcement. Now go back to the doc for me, Jimmy, because after we do the announcement, we do the email. And again, you can see there's multiple subject lines. And then remember what I said earlier about the page mattering the most? Mm -hmm. Jimmy, what's at the middle right there? What's in the middle of that email? The quote. The right. exact quote. Yeah. You know what I mean? The exact quote. And then look at the subject lines. We're coming up with multiple subject lines because they're that important. Your home's value is wrong. Is Zillow accurate? Is your Zestimate wrong, right? So we're coming up with multiple variants, but the, if the landing page is long, and the copy on the landing page is long, then it's okay for the email to be a little longer. Yeah. The email is basically a miniature version with no graphics of the next step. So you can see your report will be created by a human being. None of the reports run on an algorithm and the information in it is not available 
to us or you at the push of a button. So this is the email that we put together with the seller page. Go to the next one. The Facebook business page, right? So for this one, we're saying, here's your budget. Here's who to target. It's already a landing page. So the registration's already there. But again, we're, we're sort of curating from the other things we already wrote, but we are writing a Facebook page update much different. What we're doing 90 times out of 100 on the Facebook page, Jimmy, is we're optimizing for the click. We, our entire purpose is to get the link click. We put a budget behind it. We write the copy in a way uh, that it reflects it, but it, it goes deeper. And we even did a really cool best practice there, double links. See that? Mm -hmm. We actually linked to it twice uh, because when you do end up having like a long Facebook ad, yeah. you can link to what you're trying to get them to a couple times, kind of like the landing page. Yeah. They scrolled all the way down, but there was a call to action at the bottom. Same concept there. But here's what's interesting. Look at the Facebook profile. Look how different that is, Jimmy. How often do you check your Zestimate? One, two, three, four. Th that is so different mm -hmm. than everything we've shown so far. Because we're factoring in that these are their friends, these are their family, these are their past client. We're factoring in that whether you like it or not, I bet they're checking their estimate. And then what we're coaching our clients on is when you get the comments that come rolling in off of a post like that, dozens and dozens of two, three, four, five, one, six, right? As they come in yeah. through the back channel in a private message or replying to their comment, then you link them over to the thing that's more accurate than this estimate. So we're optimizing for replies, but then behind the scenes, we're saying, hey, I, I noticed that you said you're checking your estimate once a month. You might want to use this report instead if you're close to selling your home. So it, it's sort of a, a, a sort of a counterpunch. We're not going for the kill right away. Yeah. And you can see, and we will maybe I'll be able to share some of this in our blog later on, Chris, but basically what you're saying is, and this is maybe the most important part here, and I'll let you close mm -hmm. the show out because we're at the time right now. What you're saying is every single channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, email, every channel has a specific angle and a specific goal. And if you don't think, if you're just simply copying and pasting the same thing over and over again, you're missing a massive opportunity to actually utilize a channel in which you're promoting the content on. Yeah, and, and we're not going to go much deeper, but yes, the LinkedIn one, we wrote a lot. <laughs> we put our tie okay. on when we write that one, exactly. Like like when, when it's something like LinkedIn, look how we use data. 73% of Americans say knowing the value of their home yeah. is important, right? So like you do have to factor in that if this goes here, how should this be written? Mm -hmm. And that's another step people skip. But Jimmy, go back to the Prezi. Because I think I think this was technically, which is very exciting, especially when you're the one doing this every week. It is very fulfilling when you get to the last step, right? And so the last step, once the microcopy's done, once the article's done, you know, then it gets published everywhere, right? So for us at Curator, either our employees publish it for the client, or we deliver it to the client to then do what you showed: click, click, publish copy the micro copy and do it themselves. But zoom back, Jimmy, show the whole funnel again, or really the whole process, right? And I, I think hopefully that shows people how to build a seller campaign. Now, Jimmy, this gets really exciting when you do it every week. Mm -hmm. like, like think of marketing as compounding interest. Yep. You know, if, if everybody watching goes back and does this, it'll help their checking account. If everybody goes back and does this every week, it'll help their savings account. That That is probably the easiest way to explain the difference between doing it with quality and consistency every week versus when you have time, which yeah. is what most people do. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. It's something that we saw at the beginning of the show when we asked the poll. 94% of people don't have a plan for July. So if exactly. your plan is to grow your business, but you don't have a plan to market and sell, Mm -hmm. then you really don't have a plan to grow. Imagine how their sellers would feel if they knew that stat. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would hurt me. You don't have a plan to do marketing next month. My home's listed. Jesus.
Mm -hmm. Get a plan. So anyway, The Water Cooler is a show about marketing, sales, and technology. Every episode, we try to bring you advice that works. Please subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Don't forget curator.com slash audio. You can win a MacBook. You can win an iPhone. You can also subscribe on YouTube. But Jimmy, great show. Curator.com slash demo if you want to hire us to do that for you every single week. And, and Jimmy, we are off next week for July 4th. But I want to give a quick peek at, at, at July. Guys, we have a killer lineup. We have Brian Barrero from Thousand Watt. And we're going to ask him if the real estate industry is ending. We've got Tom Ferry, who's preparing for his biggest event of the year, the summit. And we're going to get him to give us a sneak peek at all the takeaways. I'm going to be interviewing Jay Kinder. Mm -hmm. Jay Kinder is single-handedly growing EXP. They just passed 20,000 agents. And he's, I think, the number one reason why. I actually think Jay is helping EXP grow even more than their own CEO. And then we're going to bring on Connie Carlson, who is one of the top agents in Atlanta. She's smart. She's sophisticated. She's blowing up her business, and she's going to come on too. So great June worth of shows. July is going to be great. Make sure you guys subscribe. Cheers, and thanks for watching, everyone.